The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox from Fox Group Private Wealth Management is here. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Good morning, Don. Good to see you. And you brought a special guest with you. I did. I brought uh, Jill and we'll be getting, I'll be introducing her officially soon, but yeah, what a weekend we just finished having last week. Uh, They finally decided who who is going to play in the Super Bowl, which I guess is next week. And it came down to the Kansas city chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. And um, yes, uh, popular win. A lot of Taylor Swifties or if you will, are are looking forward to see Kansas city chiefs, uh, going to the big show but you know what you know what don that's a good thing though when you come on and we're talking about finances and the most exciting thing that's happened is the format you know the teams have been picked for the super bowl but that's a good thing no financial (laughs) disruptions a a bit of a dull january if you will is is not bad at all the the markets have been kind of just trickling up all the time Uh, interest rates have been stood you know stand pat they haven't increased them at all and so yes um Boredom in the financial industry is actually quite good. Uh, but kind of interesting, I, I had a number, and you see this in commercials all the time, and I've had a couple clients um, or, you know, people, friends, what have you, and they talk about, well, you know what, um, I talked to my financial advisor and their returns are doing very well. I'm looking at making investments in this. I make, And it seems so interesting. All they're talking about is investments. And the commercials, all they talk about is investments, as if that's financial planning. And as a listener... We all know that it incorporates tax planning, cash flow management, insurance planning, estate planning. And really, at the end of the day, we're almost like the coach of the financial world of yourself. And so if you look at those games, if you just worry about offense all the time and you have no defense, you have no diversification, no tax planning. Well, you can you may look great with the returns, but you didn't do a great plan and you'll lose it on the other end. Um, And if what happens if there's an injury? to the key player, say the quarterback goes down, that changes the whole game plan. And you know what? That's why you have insurance. In your case, whether it's your spouse or partner, you're really the quarterbacks for your family. You are the, you are bringing in the money and you're dividing it up and you're creating your own little plan for the family. So all the parts have to work together. And this is what a great coach does. They look at all those aspects and they do this. So I'm very happy and privileged to have Jill Kohler here today. And she's been an estate insurance specialist with IG management for almost 30 years. You're, uh, you're bordering on my kind of uh, date t- t- timeline here, Jill. We've known each other a long time. I guess it's yeah. 30 years. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, and she has worked with a number of consultants across the Ontario regions and, you know, done a great job. Obviously, or we wouldn't be here talking after 30 years, Jill. But I know, you know, you, you touch on every aspect of an insurance. But I found it kind of interesting, particularly, you know, again, the Super Bowl being here next week. You know, critical illness is, is a huge thing, and it's kind of overlooked. Certainly isn't in football, boy. If somebody ever gets hurt, they talk about injury reports all the time. But it's funny. They don't talk about injury reports for family planning or financial planning all the time. And really, what is critical illness there, Jill? 
Yeah, it, it, you make a really great point. It is something that so many Canadians just really aren't aware of. And um, the idea behind critical illness is providing peace of mind, just like any insurance product. That's exactly what it's designed to do is, is provide that peace of mind and some financial security in the event that something goes wrong. And so this product was actually developed in the early 80s by a doctor out of South Africa. Um, and he used to perform heart transplants. In fact, he was the first heart transplant surgeon. And what he found was he was able to heal people physically. But what happened with so many of his patients after was that they suffered some kind of financial hardship because they didn't have the financial wherewithal to maintain their, um, their cash flow, you know, they had additional expenses, perhaps they had to miss a bunch of time from work to recover. And so this product is designed to really give a cash influx at a time when someone suffers a significant uh, life threatening illness. Yeah, and you know what, when you when you're down and out, and all of a sudden the cash flow stops, so many people can't afford, you know, three or four months without any income coming in. Never Absolutely. mind, a lot of them can't afford uh, two weeks without money coming in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So who needs this type of coverage? Everybody. And when okay. I say everybody, I really mean everybody. You know, there, there are, um, you know, we often talk about it uh, when we're talking to, you know, parents or, you know, family members who are earning an income, you know, they're raising their families, they're trying to do all this financial planning. And obviously, if they got sick, that it's critical that we have some kind of money uh, available to them to support their lifestyle. The challenge is it's not just income earners. We have a lot of stay-at-home parents or people who are in between jobs. Um, you know, if they get sick, they still have a, a need for cash flow. Um, and children, it's, it's not something that a lot of people like talking about, but quite frankly, it's one of the even further underutilized uh, areas that we see of people being covered. And the main reason that we talk about it with kids is that, you know, we know as parents, you and I are both parents, and we know that as kids, uh, when, when our kids were little, we would, you know, make sure we took care of them. We'd take some time away from work um, and, and we'd be there for them to help them through that recovery. And the challenge becomes none of the insurance that we have on ourselves, no matter how much we own, and I certainly own it all, um, <laughs> you know, we, we can't use any of that insurance to provide that cash flow if something happens to our kids. So if it's the flu and they're back to school, you know, a day or two later, not a big deal. But if you're talking about long term, um, you know, focus on recovery from something more serious, we really need to have some cash flow there so that, you know, my financial plan is protected so that my family can still, still sustain their lifestyle and, and be able to do all the things we, we wanted to do and still, you know, be able to retire comfortably and all those other things. So. Yeah, no, it's an, an interesting. And we all, we often think about disability coverage, but for mm -hmm. disability coverage, you have to be making money. You know, yep. you're getting, say 60% of what your earnings are. So of course, you know, if you get disabled for, you know, a period of, you know, there's a waiting period for a few months often or 30 days, depending on how you set it up. And yep. then, but you still have to have an income. If you're making a hundred thousand a year, as an example, you can get maybe disability coverage to cover you for say 60,000 a year. But here's a stay at home parent, not earning any income. And yet it costs a lot of money to replace them. Yeah, and they're adding tons of value for for no income, yes. um, it, you know, and and absolutely, if something were to happen to them, 
and they're unable to care for the children, still, you know, unable to perhaps provide the normal things that require are required to run a household. Like you said, it costs a lot of money to replace them. And, you know, what is that impact to their entire family? So, yeah. you know, this these products, most people think of them as being fairly similar. You know, I've got disability, I should be okay. Nope. When you actually look at the statistics of the types of claims we see and the ways that people are using these products, it's completely different. Um, you know, we see absolutely different types of claims w when it comes to that. Disability insurance, the biggest claims we see are relating to mental health and mm. musculoskeletal stuff. So that's, you know, broken bones, um, injuries to, you know, along those lines. And with critical illness, it's cancer. Barnett, 70% of our claims. 70% is, yep. is involves cancer. And, and so here, if you have cancer, you can still go to work. Often, yeah. You know, you know? There, there are actually some really uh, interesting videos that have been put together by some of our insurance carriers that talk to, um, you know, I go to treatment, the next day I feel like crap, then I start feeling better and I'm back at work because I don't really ever fully become disabled from that. Um, you think about heart attacks as well, which is our next largest claim on critical illness. A lot of people have had quadruple bypass and are back to work three weeks later. You know, yeah. that doesn't help you qualify for your disability insurance because you're not missing work for long enough. Does that mean you don't need some cash to cover the costs uh, associated with getting better and, you know, caring for your family and all those kinds of things? No, of course you might need money to do that so no yeah. and you know you look at and again cancer just to go back on that for a second you know being everybody's been touched by cancer somehow and i know in our household it's, it's been uh, directly involved and so you know you look at the treatment time you're absolutely right there's a week where the chemo kicks in and you are just lying and you you can count the steps to go to the second floor because there's so <laughs> much effort you're sleeping all the time finally when you feel like you can do something you're forced back to work because you don't qualify for disability coverage. Right. And if you had a check for $200,000 to get you through that and your employer can give you a leave because you don't qualify for disability coverage, or maybe you only qualify for partial disability coverage, at least money, money makes a difference. You know, it's Absolutely. not everything, but money makes a difference and talk about a quality of life because now you can focus on recovery and your own mental health and doing some of the things is just joy, just pure joy in your life, rather than having to say, I got to get back to work. Thankfully, I feel okay. I'm running at 60% uh, capacity, but it's better than nothing. And I got to get back to work, make money. So, yeah. So, you know, you mentioned qualifying for this type of coverage. You know, how, how do you qualify for um, critical illness insurance? So whenever you're applying for any type of insurance, there's always some medical questions and lifestyle questions that are asked to determine a person's insurability. Um, with critical illness, there are some additional factors that we take a look at, family history, primarily because a number of the things that we cover are genetically, um, you know, make somebody predisposed to them genetically. So sometimes we have medical t tests as well that need to be done, um, just depending on the coverage amount, the age of the client and, and you know, what they're applying for. But um, it is something that you have to qualify for. It's not a regular commodity like a car that you can just go and buy. You need to actually qualify for it. But would you say quickly, if you had to compare, say, applying for disability coverage versus CI, yep. would, would, would critical illness not be easier to qualify for than disability coverage? Or are they both the same? 
Great question. And I, my answer is it depends. Okay. <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot of gray area when it comes to insurance. Um, and what I mean by that is uh, it, it depends what you're walking in with. I always talk about what you're walking in with health-wise. If you're walking in with um, a back injury due to, you know, pushing a couch that was too heavy, that may impact you for disability insurance because you may have a recurring back pain that causes you to have to miss work doesn't matter for critical illness because we don't pay for back claims. If you're walking in with a lot of history or family history of cancer or heart issues, for example, that's going to definitely impact critical illness, may or may not impact disability. Okay, well, let's get on to this after the break. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management, along with Jill Kohler, estate and insurance specialist for IG. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. We're going to take a quick break here. We're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management, along with Jill Kohler, estate and insurance specialist for IG. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. We're talking about insurance today. Yes, and again, we are very fortunate to have Jill here with us. And again, as financial planners, yes, we deal with life insurance, critical illness, disability as part of the financial plan. doesn't mean we know every single thing about it because there's so much involved in every minutia of insurance. And you got somebody here, that's all she does. She knows insurance inside and out. And thankfully, we get to work with Jill all the time to help us out and in turn help our clients out get the right solution for their situation. And you know what's kind of interesting? When you're talking to clients, the one thing I often hear is, well, my, my parents lived a long time. I have a great lifestyle. I, I work out. I exercise. I eat well. I don't know if I really need critical illness insurance. What do you say to that? That's a really great comment. And, and I hear it all the time, not just about critical illness, we hear it about all of the different insurance products. Because again, you know, people who are doing the right things are absolutely doing the right things. And that will negate multiple things that that they may otherwise face. But unfortunately, I, you know, I wish I could say that just doing that solves all of the potential medical problems. But unfortunately, it's just not true. It's super important to lead a healthy lifestyle, but it just doesn't solve all of these potential risks that people face. So, you know, things like cancer, for example, are is extremely random. Otherwise, we wouldn't have childhood cancers. I mean, what has a, mm. a two-year-old child had anything to do with making good life choices? And yet, <laughs> you know, we still good see... Point. We still see cancer affecting children, unfortunately. And then, you know, there's also tons of examples of healthy people, super healthy people, um, athletes in the, the prime of their life who have suffered from serious illnesses, you know, battling cancer, suffering heart attacks. Every once in a while, you'll hear that story of this, you know, this person, uh, whether they're a famous athlete or not, you know, where drop dead on the on the ice rink or you know, couldn't imagine them suffering from cancer because they were in the peak of, you know, optimal health. And yet 
it still happens. So insurance is really designed to protect against risk. We can do certain things to minimize risk, but we can't do things to completely avoid risk. And interestingly enough, you know, critical illness is slightly misnamed. Uh, It was designed initially to cover illnesses, but it also does cover some things that are, could be caused by accident. So an acquired brain injury, for example, is one of the covered conditions. And acquired brain injury could be caused by a car accident, could be caused by a sporting accident. So, you know, again, you're doing all the things to lead a healthy lifestyle, and yet something like that can can crop up and and there could still be a, a, a payment there. So, you know, insurance is, is designed to protect against those risks. If we put our head in the sand and assume we're never going to face those risks because we're making good choices, you know, I would suggest is not necessarily our best choice of action. Um, and insurance is really using pennies to buy dollars. We, we're, you know, it costs way less to purchase insurance than the actual payout. It takes a long time for us to save what we would uh, pay in dollars or, or pennies for premium to get to the ultimate payout that would occur. So, you know, the, I always have concerns with people saying, I just don't believe I need it. Mm. And then there are other options that we can build into some of our policies where, you know, like a return of premium, where you can get your money back in the event that there is no claim. I hope that's the case for all the clients we insure, however. Yeah, and we'll get to that. That's a good good point, though. But what exactly, you know, we, we've been talking about CI for now, you know, you know, 15, 20 minutes here. And what exactly do you get paid off for? What what illnesses or injuries or what have you would all of a sudden say, okay, you qualify for a payout? Great question. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, cancer accounts for 70% of our claims. So the, the other 30% are broken down by anywhere between 24 and 27 conditions for most of the insurance companies. And heart attack is the next uh, most common one. And then we have a number of um, illnesses that, you know, often affect people later in life. So Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, for example, I already mentioned acquired brain injury. There's things like severe burns. um, And, you know, Every carrier is a is pretty consistent with most of the covered conditions. Certain ones are only included on some carriers. So the acquired brain injury isn't on all contracts. The um, we do have um, loss of independent existence, which is similar to a long term care kind of need where you're unable to perform two or more activities of daily living, sort of the basic stuff you and I get up and take for granted every day. We can bathe ourselves, we can dress ourselves, we can get in and out of bed or in and out of our car. Um, you know, those kinds of things, the basic activities of daily living. So some of our policies will cover that as well. Um, and again, each carrier is a little bit different with what they cover. Um, but interestingly enough, most of the carriers now have what we call standardized definitions. So you won't find that one carrier would, insurance carrier would assess your claim differently based on different criteria, because there's lots of different ways that some of these things can be, um, you know, can be diagnosed and and so on. So. So yeah, no, it's gonna, you know, and we, you know, it's great that it has such a range of coverage. And you made a good point. You know, even though you're doing everything healthy, doesn't mean you know. Of course, there's always that chance you may become ill or get one of these, you know, ailments. The same, the opposite is true. 
people love to say, well, I smoke and look at, I lived to 95 and that person, <laughs> that person jogged and, and he died of a heart attack. And, and yes, it's just, you minimize your risk by doing the right things, but it doesn't get rid of the risk. In yeah. fact, you know, our regional director, um, and he often tells the story, I think it was about 10 years ago, healthy guy, 50 years old at the time, you know, he carried a, you know, maybe an extra 10 pounds or so, but, you know, active. And, you know, we would call him a pretty fit individual, very sporty kind of guy. All of a sudden he has a stroke. Yep. And he's heading, thankfully, somebody else was with him in the car. They took the car, got him to the hospital in time. Was he able to use the stroke busting drug within, I think you only have a, a maybe an hour window. Yeah. Um, and to get this in so that you don't end up with permanent disability, he still has a slight, slight limp when he gets tired. But at the end of the day, it qualified. And here's a 50 year old healthy person that is in our business. And mm -hmm. we just take for granted, you know, he's, we wouldn't have thought for a second that anything was wrong, except he went to fill up for, with gas. And all of a sudden he started dropping a couple of things and then realized something was wrong. And thankfully somebody else drove him to the hospital, but he got a check because he had a, a critical illness policy. It was able to help him out at the time. And then life went on and it was end up being a speed bump, you know, rather yeah. than a train smash. And that's what yeah. insurance is all about. It just yeah. minimizes the whole point. And yes, and he was able to recover, et cetera. He's doing great. But, um, you know, you save pennies to dollars, you know, any example, like how much do you think, uh, you know, a policy, 100000 for a 40-year-old would cost? Or I know there's depends, but any kind of round figures you could kind of come <laughs> up with? Oh, I always hate that question. <laughs> I, if you say, is it expensive? That's a great question. Or how much yeah. does it cost to, to buy? That's a great question. But when it comes to the actual illustrating, you know, honestly, there are there are so many multiple factors that go into pricing that it is really difficult to to give an exact price without um, actually analyzing what a client is looking for. Um, you know, we take into consideration their age, their gender, their smoker status how much coverage they're applying for and what type of coverage they're applying for. Are they applying for the sort of slim down coverage that only covers a handful of covered conditions? Are they applying for, you know, the Porsche version of the coverage that includes everything, includes all the bells and whistles, you know, quickest pay policy and so on. So, you know, the, the, it, there can be such a, a large variance there. My thing always is, um, you know, even though insurance is all I do every day and I think everyone needs insurance, yeah, yeah, yeah. At the <laughs> end of the day, I always want to make sure that a client leaves the experience of purchasing insurance as part of their financial plan, feeling that they are better positioned than they were before and that this is not going to cripple them on a cash flow basis and make them unable to do all the other things they want to do about financial planning, some which is just important and not fun, and other parts of financial planning that are really fun, saving for kids' education, you know, or saving for a vacation or a second property, those kinds of things. I want clients to walk away going, I know I needed it. I don't love the idea of having to pay for it, but I believe that it was the best decision and I can still do the other things I want to do. Yeah, and you think about it, we were talking earlier, I used the analogy of football. If we only worried about the offense and saving and doing all this, and you didn't have this, just to safeguard your income or life insurance to safeguard your estate or, or disability to safeguard, all that offense goes out the, out the window. Mm -hmm. You literally could go through all your savings. So isn't this really like, you know, insurance 
for your goals because Absolutely. you're ensuring you're at the goals that we talk about of trying to retire, trying to educate kids, trying to do whatever your financial goals are. This gives you that peace of mind knowing that if anything goes wrong, at least you have a, a safeguard. And if you had, you know, uh, insurance on your quarterback and you could replace them right away with somebody and going into the Super Bowl, wouldn't, wouldn't the coach love to insure Mahomes and say, oh, God, you know what? He just had an ankle injury, but we got a, a duplicate just like him. He's going right out there. And that's what insurance is like. It's like bringing in the because money can do that right away. I know it's a bit of a stretch on the analogy, but that's what insurance does. It keeps it going. Now, there is a way to almost get this for free, though. Because I personally did this and I still did. And it, what it is, is it's return a premium. Yeah. And, and so it basically increases your cost. But after 15 years, you get all your money back. Yeah. It, so it, oh, it's basically in a nutshell how it works. So maybe you can elaborate. Yeah. So return a premium options are available with most companies on most of the critical illness products. And the idea behind it is, you know, for those clients who say, I really don't think I need this, Don. So, you know, why are you recommending it? Well, we already addressed that. It's still worth protecting the risk. But if you don't need it, I will be thrilled to come back to you with a check for your return of premium. And that return of premium essentially says if you didn't have a claim, um, you can surrender your contract and you can receive some or all of your money back. And so the sum part comes from if you if you surrender it uh, really early, depending on the company you're dealing with and so on, there may be only a partial return of premium. Um, at certain points, it goes up to 100% uh, with all carriers. And so you can either surrender it or if you choose a policy that is uh, temporary in nature, it's designed to cover you until, say, 65 or 75 at that time when the policy expires, you can get all your return of premium. There's also a return of premium on death. So let's imagine a client lives a long and happy life. They have a permanent critical illness policy. They never had a claim and they pass away, hopefully peacefully in their sleep. The return of premium there would go to their beneficiaries. So whether it's their estate or they've named some children, you know, that kind of thing. So is it free? Not exactly free because we do still pay up front, <laughs> yep. but it's opportunity cost, right? It's what else would you have done with that? And I can argue all day long with somebody who says I would be better off saving all of that money uh, because we actually see the average length of time from purchase of contract to a claim, if a claim is made, uh, is actually under five years. So these are people we have already done all the pre-qualifying for, that we've already done testing or asked all the questions or even perhaps, you know, gotten a doctor's report. They've flown through underwriting and, and been able to qualify for this coverage. And we're still seeing claims that soon after. So again, this goes back to my point before about randomness, you mm. know, we can be really healthy one day and the flip of the dime, all of a sudden we're not. And, um, and so trust that, me, the, the insurance company really does not want to pay. They oh, really, come on they, now. They, 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 really on. Don't, they really want to qualify to make sure this person's healthy. Put it this way. If you want to find somebody to give you a good test if you're healthy, have an insurance <laughs> policy do it for you because they, it's in their best interest. They want to make sure he's really healthy because they don't want to have something crop up and say, oh, wow, uh, we didn't see that and we have to pay. Um, they do, you know, that's why you're paying the premium. Yes, they do want to pay They yeah, for those ones. But they're, they are, it's in their best interest to have healthy people qualify. Absolutely. 
Yeah. And that's yeah. the point I'm making. But there's one point. We, <laughs> clarify, we do pay a ton of claims. I know, I know, <laughs> yes. Statistics coming out of the wazoo about that. We pay tons and tons of claims every year, which, you know, is great to know that the insurance companies solidly are backing these products once they underwrite them. But also, you know, a, a statistical <laughs> sadness that, that comes with that is that knowing that we do have a lot of claims. And on a final note, there's one feature I really love about this critical illness, and, and I know we only have about a minute left, but can you tell us how Best Doctors works and how mm -hmm. it helps a client? Mm -hmm. So some of the carriers work with Best Doctors, some work with another carrier, um, but essentially it's an international network of doctors, and they have all volunteered to be part of this program, and it is designed to help clients really understand um, their illness or their injury what their treatment options are, and sort of how to, you know, navigate through all of that. Because, you know, the word cancer, immediately people go blank, they stop listening, they can't hear. So when, you know, we always recommend when you have a potential diagnosis of something, bring somebody else along who can listen and take notes and ask questions, because you will be glazed over. Um, Best Doctors helps with giving a second opinion. So they will have the Best Doctors internationally evaluate your file, your records, your, you know, any information that you may have, have provided as part of your claim. And they will, um, in some cases, they've actually changed the diagnosis. Um, in some cases, they've changed the treatment program or given additional treatment options some of which cost money because you may have to travel to another country to experience them and so on. And the other cool thing about this being included in these plans is that it doesn't always just uh, cover the insured person. Sometimes it's also available to spouses, children, parents, or, or what have you. And, you know, they have this access to additional, um, additional medical support and evaluation above and beyond their local specialists. Well, for we are, a, a province that has a shortage of doctors, it's nice to have this as part of the policy. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management, along with Jill Kohler, estate and insurance specialist for IG. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. We're stopping for a quick break. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here from Fox Group private wealth management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Fascinating guest, Don. Jill Kohler, estate and insurance specialist for uh, IG. She knows her stuff. She certainly does, and we're lucky to have her as part of our extended team. We use her quite frequently. Uh, probably a week doesn't go by with some kind of contact, whether an email or a question. So it's great. And that's this is what we have behind the scenes, working with us. And, and then it helps us to answer questions when we're talking to clients. So this, you know, I appreciate that. And I know she'll be on in future shows, uh, and we'll have uh, you know, more insurance-oriented um, segments over the next year so looking forward to it but uh, yes I wanted to kind of go over for the you know I know we have a couple more minutes uh, a couple more segments to go but 
you know, eight steps to create your own financial plan. Should be a piece of cake, Scott. You know, anybody can do this, right? Sure. Uh, it's like investing for yourself. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny when you talk about do-it-yourself investors and uh, it's, they will end up in a net worth wise two to three times less or put it the other way. People working with a financial planner have two to three times more net worth at the end of the day. And it's, it's incredible. And it's not because they're bad investors or they're not smart people. It's because it's hard. It's an emotional money. is so emotional. It gets in the way of, of, of what we often think is very normal thought and prudent thought and common sense, but money and human nature will screw it right off at times. Well, here's so, the way I look at it, Don. Like if I was that good at it, that I could plan my own financial future, then why wouldn't I be doing that for a living? <laughs> yeah. I, I recently had a, an email from um, a, a small client, a younger person, somewhere in their uh, early thirties. It's just saying, and, and, and this person has got a big job. She works a lot. There's probably 60 hours a week. And she's, and she's going to say, you know, I've decided I'm going to be looking after my own investments and my own financial plan now. And I'm thinking to myself, we do this. I put probably 60 hours a week personally. And education-wise, we have to, just for a CFP, spend over 40 hours a year in, in education sessions to maintain our, our, our certified financial planning designation. And we go well above that. And I'm thinking, okay, you got a full job and you want to do this on the side, like a part-time thing. And this is why people just do not have the same end results. So if you look at this, it's quite simple. You know, first thing is just identifying goals. Well, it sounds easy, but having that frank conversation with you and your spouse or partner in discussing what is the things you would like to accomplish. Short-term goals, medium-term goals, and long-term goals. And I know, you know, speaking with spouses, they often aren't on the same page. So quite often we have to then prioritize those. Then let's go over your net worth. Uh, net worth, uh, all your assets, less all your debts. Pretty straightforward. Well, yes and no. Sometimes there's a secret bank account somewhere hiding there or a secret debt, on the other hand, that is hiding. And uh, it's, it's so important to have transparency in creating a net worth because you're, you're the only one that's going to get hurt in the long run. Uh, this is a big one, though. Catch, check on your cash flow. Everybody has an idea what they're spending. Now, I guess at the end of the day, if you, don't have, if you have less money at the end in your bank account at the beginning of the month, then sorry, the end of the month and the beginning of the month, you're probably spending more than you're making. Or if your credit cards are racking up, another good telltale sign. Because I'll, I'll see a lot of people and say, well, I make X amount of dollars and you know I don't understand where it's all going. And this is where cash flow management is so important. We're going through all the factors, whether it's um, you know hydro bills, all the household bills, holidays, entertainment, you know, kids sports equipment. There's so many things and it just is this minutia of expenses. And to sit down and just have that meeting, a cash flow meeting is important to do. Uh, then you'd say, okay, let's match these goals with spending. Once we know our goals and what direction we want to go, then we got to look at, okay, well, this is where we're actually spending our money. So do these match up? We say we want to retire early, yet we're spending a lot of extra money now on things that will not allow us to retire early. Or we say we want to make sure our kids can go to university, yet we're not putting money every month into an RESP. 
you know, you, we have to match these up. Um, as we just talked about with, with Jill, and we're fortunate to have this conversation, review your insurance coverage. Employers do have insurance coverage. In fact, some of the employer plans have critical illness. But do you have enough? Do you have the proper amount? And again, maybe only you're covered. What about your spouse? Reduce your taxes. We could. Well, we talk about this all the time. I know it's probably my biggest pet peeve is overpaying income tax. And it's so important to make sure we reduce those. And then create an investment policy. Now, create an investment policies. Okay, here's what we want, how we want to invest. Not based on the markets this past month or this past week. It's kind of inter interesting. The litmus test for investing is usually in down markets. When people say I'm comfortable with risk, even though they've gone down, then you say, okay, you are definitely comfortable with risk. But if people are say, oh yeah, I don't mind having a lot of equities, but the market's up 30%. I want them to tell me that when it's down 10%. So it's, it's, it's making sure they are properly invested in what they're really comfortable for. And then finally, create and update your will. Putting all those pieces together is a proper financial plan. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. Find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here and we'll return for our final segment. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. Find out more at donfox.net. Call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. We're uh, on the cusp of RSP season here, Don. Yes, and it's kind of funny. Is it really RSP season? Seems a little quiet out there. And this is actually, it's been kind of gaining momentum, this quietness about RSP season. In fact, you hardly hear about RSP season anymore. And it used to be a buzzword for the media. And it's because they're actually reducing in popularity. And they're actually falling a little bit behind tax-free savings accounts. And so the rise of TFSAs has pretty much killed the RSP season. Now, does this make sense? Well, I can guarantee it does not make sense. And I'll go through why. But um, RSPs, um, you can contribute to an RSP. The deadline, by the way, this year is February the 29th. It is a leap year. It's the first 60 days of the year. More Normally, it's March 1st. So again, this year, it's the end of February. Um, but again, RSPs have been around for 50 years or longer than, than TFSAs. And they have a lot higher maximums, and they offer tax deductions this year, where tax savings accounts, as you know, do not. And yet, RSPs... This, just in the last couple of years, have been eclipsed by tax-free savings accounts and popularity as measured by contributions. And that's amazing, considering that you can put a lot more into an RSP, and yet people are actually putting more money in TFSAs than RSPs. And there may be some very good reasons, but you got to think, okay, is it really part of the plan? So I know tax-free savings accounts became very popular. It didn't take long for the Canadians to realize, hey, this is a good thing. They started in 2009. And the annual contribution um, started to exceed RSPs in 2014, believe it or not. Now, I have to say, a retired person cannot retire, contribute to uh, an RSP, but they can to a TFSA. 
So there is something to be said about that. But tax-free savings accounts in 2020 had a 52% market share by families in registered accounts, whereas RSPs were 31% share and pension plans were 16% share. So it's almost just about 50-50, but the average family contributions to a TFSA were $12,205 in 2020, compared to $10,185 for RSPs and $5,960 for pensions. Okay, TFSAs are fantastic, no question. Um, anytime you can invest after-tax money, let it grow, make a bunch of money in compounding tax-free and take it out tax-free, great thing. And But you have to be 18, again, to open up a, a TFSA. Now, but I would argue that when people are working, RSPs should be looked at first and RSPs and TFSA should be second. Because, or first of all, right now there is 1.3 trillion dollars in RSPs right now versus $567 billion for tax-free savings accounts, which is pretty amazing. TFSAs have caught up that much. And, and right now for 24, the maximum you can put into a, an RSP is 18% of your income, which works out to, to a maximum of 31560 Most people don't even look at that, though. They'll look at their notice of, of assessment, and they'll look at what they can contribute. So you really have to look at, okay, why does it make sense to do an RSP? And it really looks at your tax bracket. Some of you are in a high tax bracket now and versus, and probably be in a lower tax bracket in retirement, an RSP makes more sense. Okay. So in an example, if you make $140,000 right now, you're in pretty high tax bracket, 43% tax bracket. And, and you'll likely be, say, you make 60000 a year when you retire. And you'll be splitting income with your spouse. So your taxable income goes from 140 down to 60. Okay, you're in a 43% bracket now and a 30% tax bracket later. So if you put in $30,000 into your RSP now, you're going to save 13,000 in tax, and later you're going to pay just short of 9,000 in tax. In fact, you're better off by $4,128. And yet, a TFSA on the opposite. If you're both in the same bracket now and later, okay, I can understand tax-free savings accounts would be better. And certainly, if you're in a higher bracket at retirement than you are while you're working, TFSAs definitely are better. But I got to say, RSPs are very sticky. People put money into RSPs, and they are very reluctant to take them out. So they end up with a lot of money at retirement. TFSAs, they can be used for anything, a car, a gift, a wedding, what have you where RSPs are likely not to be used for that. So speak to your financial planner and really just find out what is the most advantageous mix between RSPs and TFSAs for your situation. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox has been here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management, along with Jill Kohler, estate and insurance specialist for IG. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Another brilliant show, Don. Thanks for the time, and we'll chat again next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.